That was really great, man. I, wow. Thank you, Lord. All those songs were awesome, weren't they? They were all really speaking to me uh, on a personal level. You know, the Bible says we're transformed from glory to glory, right? Second Corinthians 3.18, have you thought about that? Well, I, I was telling Becky this morning, like, I've kind of always in my mind thought glory to glory was just something awesome. You know, glory is something awesome, right? Glory to glory. But I've, looking at my life, uh, my life, I don't know about you, but my life is really messy. Okay, it's just a mess. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm involved in messes. It's just a mess. And I've concluded, here's the way my life is going. I mean, it's, I'm either trying to get away from my bad, messy past, or I'm trying to get away from what God was doing He's no longer doing. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, that's glory to glory for me. It's like, trying to, like Lord, I just got to forget that old bad stuff, that old man, that all that. Oh, and then, Lord, I've got to just move on because what you were doing was so awesome, but you're not doing it no more. You're doing something different. You know what I'm saying? And that can be a real challenge for, for us. But I just want to comfort you with those words about living a life that's messy because the world is a mess. And the worst thing the church could ever be is people who act like they're not messy and act like their lives are not messy uh, when they really are, and the world can't relate to people like that. The world can relate to people that are broke, have been broken, have been messy, but somehow the Lord has gotten them from mess to mess, right? <laughs> from mess to mess. And somehow in the middle of that, God is doing a transformation in our lives. He's doing a powerful conforming us to His image somehow. It's a mystical thing. I don't know how he does it. But somehow he takes the worst situations in your life and the, all the hurt, all the pain, and can turn that for you. He can turn it and make it something that just serves you and brings out the, the Christ in you. Isn't that awesome? And so I want to encourage you. That's really what the Lord is doing in your life. Uh, and he's never stopped doing it. It's just it doesn't really seem glorious, Right? Yes, it doesn't. So, uh, you know, last week I told you about every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Anybody remember that? You probably hadn't even thought about it since then. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And that's such a powerful uh, verse in the Bible. I've decided uh, that that's going to be my word for 2018. <laughs> Although I claim I don't really necessarily get into words for 2018, but that really is a powerful word that God really wants us to tap into his preceding word. What is God saying to you now? That's what we live on. That's how we're able to move forward in life. And I believe it's, it's uh, you know, essential for us as people to have that kind of mindset. Jesus actually uh, was the best at example. Uh, John 5, 19, 20, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. That was a preceding word um, that Jesus was living off and, and doing. So I want to encourage you um, about a preceding word for your life this morning, to tap into a preceding word, because 
like I shared last week, some of you already have preceding words. You're carrying them. You've been carrying them for years, years and years. And you can feed on those words and go back into the power of those words right now if you want to, anytime you want to. And those words will help you uh, move forward in your life. And, and I do believe we're in a time where God's calling us to move forward. Does anybody else believe that? I believe it's just it's yesterday is gone. Uh, things is, it is a, a, a time where I feel like the Spirit of the Lord wants to blow into the cells of the people of God. And wherever you've been, whether it's been awesome or whether it's been a disappointing time for you, God wants to move you on to something, uh, you know, glory to glory. There's another phase, there's another period where God is wanting to stir the people of the Lord and bring them into a new time. And I'm sold out on that because I've done, went on from the past glory. And it's been a mess. <laughs> yes, it has. I haven't really done this very well, I'll be honest with you. I don't know about you, but I've not done my Christian life very well. It's, it's full of messes. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still going. That's one of the keys, keep going. If you keep going, you're going to be all right. Uh, I want to read this, Matthew. This is a preceding word. Uh, anybody here, who else, who else in here preaches from time to time? I mean, raise your hand if you're, or if you teach or preach or anything. Raise your hand. Uh, I'm giving you a great secret. Next year, this, you can use these verses for your 2019 preceding word. Okay, because this is always a preceding word for me. This has been a, a preceding word in my life. This has been an amazing word. This is Matthew 16, uh, 13 through 21. And the reason it has been is the Lord spoke it to me back in the 1980s at a time when I felt kind of kind of lost. I was at one of those places in my life where, um, you know, I had been involved in the Lord moving, and, and it was awesome, and then that kind of went away tragically is the way it felt to me. It just went away. I can remember we were born again in, in a move of God. So when that ended, we were confused. I mean, really literally confused about what in the world, what happened? This is not the Christianity that we signed up for because we had been in an experience where there was just wind of God that was blowing powerfully and it died down little by little by little and then one day it was gone. And so we really didn't know how to relate. We didn't know how to live. And we were struggling to figure out how to be a Christian when you didn't really have that sense of this move of the Lord behind you. You know what I'm talking about. And that's a hard, hard place. And this, that's when the Lord first started revealing these scriptures to me. These are really well-known scriptures, but I'm going to read them to you. It's Matthew 16, uh, verse 13 through 21. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is, one, is last fall the Lord spoke these scriptures to me one morning. Did I share this with you about these scriptures? I don't remember what I shared. I really don't. <laughs> but he, last fall, there was, God began to shift things inside of me. Okay? Spiritually. I felt there was something, there was something God was doing in me that was different. And I knew it was God was trying to release me. He was trying to release me from me, really, and release me from where I had been. And... And I really began, you know, I felt it a little around me, but it's a different when you get something in you. You know what I'm talking about? When it's inside of you. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. If you can capture it inside of you, then you really have it. 
Because you, things can be happening around you, okay, that's really awesome. But if they're not happening in you, they don't really help you. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're helped in the moment when it's around you, okay? But you need to be able to go home and be helped in your bed at night because you're carrying it inside of you. Are you all with me this morning? Anyways, that's, the Lord began to speak this, these scriptures to me. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, this is important for you. These scriptures are important right now. They're really what I want you to, to put your heart to and put your mind to. And so that's, that's why I'm sharing them with you. It says in verse 13 of Matthew 16, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? For, so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he he was Jesus the Christ. Isn't that beautiful? He was Jesus the Christ. That's a big deal, by the way. It's not a big deal to us, but I promise you, if you put yourself in the, the shoes of these men at that moment, it was a huge deal. It was a huge shift. And it is a big deal to us, but it doesn't capture our hearts like, like it was capturing them at that moment. From that time, uh, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and, and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. All right. That's good, isn't it? Now, y'all going to have to help me and not look at me with these cross looks. Okay? Y'all looking at me cross looks. You know, I tell people all the time, the best messages I can give is when I don't see nobody. Where everybody's a blur to me. When I'm seeing people, it is not good. So help me. (laughs) I'm just telling you all my bad stuff. Take my glasses off. That's true. (laughs) I can't see real far without my glasses. Once I was in the gym working out, and I I don't like wearing my glasses when I worked out. And there was a guy, actually, who was in this church. And I saw him the Sunday, and he was really upset with me uh, because he was in the gym, and I didn't speak to him, and he felt offended at me being like I was a jerk, and I was like, dude, how far away were you from me? He said, I was on the other side of the room. I said, I can't see 10 feet in front of me. Everything, when I, literally, when I take my glasses off, it's just people are blurry, so, you know, if I, you see me with my glasses on, unless I've got my miracle I've been praying for for a long time that I'm going to get is my eyes are going to get healed one day, and the Lord's going to, going to do that. I really believe that. I'm, I'm hanging on for that miracle. All righty, let me just tell you this. This is really key. I, I, I want you to get this. This happened, Jesus' ministry in the New Testament, uh, when he was on the earth in the Gospels, can divide, is divided up literally into two parts. Okay? There's a, the first part, which happens all the way up to this time. This is the end of the first part of his ministry. 
Okay? The next thing that happened right after this was the Mount of Transfiguration. And people who know stuff will tell you the Mount of Transfiguration was the prelude to his crucifixion. Okay? So everything about his ministry, and if you study Jesus' ministry, his ministry was, was amazing. If you, in fact, if you go back to chapter 15 of, of Matthew, now this is important why I'm telling you this. Okay? If you go back to Matthew 15, because I'm trying to get you into this story. See, that's how you get stuff. You, get, you put yourself into the story. You put your feet on the ground with those guys, and then you begin to see it and hear it from their perspective, and you'll start seeing things different, and you'll start hearing things you can't hear just by reading it. That's how, you, that's how you read the Bible, is you put yourself into the Bible, and you walk with those people. I learned that when I was in uh, uh, engineering school, actually, how to do math. Right, Marlon? That's how, you, that's how I figured out how to do trig. Trigonometry, I, I was having a hard time with it. I figured out if I can put myself into that problem, all of a sudden I'm seeing this problem around me instead of looking down on it. And all of a sudden I became a straight-A math student from that one little secret. I couldn't ever get my kids to get that, though. <laughs> they were like, Dad's mean. That's what they would tell Baggy. Dad's mean. I don't want him to help me with the math. <laughs> Anyways, mm, Lord help are y'all with me so far? Yeah. So, anyways, uh, everything shifted in Jesus' ministry after the Mount of Transfiguration. Everything. Less and less miracles. Well, well chapter 15 of Matthew, it, it's this. It says he was healing multitudes of people. Multitudes of people. In fact, one of his more famous healing was the Syrian woman who came to him. Remember her? Heal my daughter. Like, no, I'm not healing her. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not taking the children's bread. Remember that story? That's in Matthew 15. He actually fed 4,000 people in Matthew 15. Okay? Then all of a sudden, he takes his disciples and takes them away from that and takes them to another place. And he begins to have this conversation with them. A lot of people who know stuff say, that this was like their, and I don't believe this necessarily 100%, but it was like his disciples' final exam for the first part of Jesus' ministry because he was wanting to reveal something. This was the first place he began to reveal himself as Christ to them personally. This is the first place he began to reveal that he was going to the cross. So you see, are y'all getting this? You can see this is a very pivotal point in his ministry with his disciples. And he was really wanting them to get something because the season, the first season of his ministry was winding down. And he was fixing to go into another completely different season. And it was going to look different. It was going to feel different. He was not going to do as many miracles. He was not going to do talk as much. People were going to begin to become more hostile to him. It was going to become a more challenging thing to follow him. He even warned them here about the challenges they were going to face in this next season that was fixing to begin. And so here he was, ending a season, so that a new season could start. So they could be prepared to walk in this new season, and for them to be able to walk in this new place with him towards the cross, they were going to need some things, right? They were going to need some things that they didn't necessarily need in the old season. That's why I'm saying next year, you've got a great message for the new season. You see what I'm saying? We can always go back to this. And so every season of life, that's when the Lord spoke this to me, to help me see 
the preparation of what this can do to help me go into the place that he's calling me to. And it wor- I believe this works all the time for every season. That's just my opinion. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't believe we're coming into a new season uh, spiritually, okay, that's all right. I'm sure you would agree that if you look at what's going on in our nation and the nations of the world, you would say, something has shifted. Things have changed. We're in a different time. Right? We're in a different time completely than we were. And God's doing, wanting to do new things. He's wanting to do a uh, whole different new things. And He really wants to prepare us and release us into this. I'm spending a lot of time saying this. I hope somebody's with me on this. Okay. Please be. This is important. Well, thank you, Lord. The first thing I wanted to uh, tell you out of this, because I thought, oh, yeah, Lord, that's always important. But then I felt like the Lord told me to go back and read it again. And so this is really what stuck out to me, I, this, this first sentence. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi. And for some reason, I never thought about Caesarea Philippi. Have you ever thought about Caesarea Philippi? Have you ever thought about why that's in the Bible and so, I, first of all, I went back to look at where they were at. I found and got a map and tried to figure out where they were at. The last thing I found in, in, in uh, uh, Matthew 15, remember the woman, Mary Magdalene. He was in her hometown. It was the last place it tells us. And then it says he's in Caesarea Philippi. That's about 25 miles away. Okay, this is really interesting. Caesarea Philippi was a crazy place in Israel. It was, in Jesus' day, the worst, the darkest place in Israel. It was the worst place in Israel. It was full of of idolatry, okay? It was full of demonic activity and had been for years, had been all the way back into the Old Testament. It was a major place where they worshipped Baal. It was a big Baal worship center there. And so that's where Jesus, this is cool if you get this, that's where Jesus wanted to take his disciples to, and get them away from, from Jerusalem, get them away from all the, the so-called spiritual stuff, all the stuff there, get them away from the crowds, get them off and have this really important conversation with them. That, that's, that's what he was doing. That's why Caesarea Philippi was, was such a really interesting place for him to do that. Um, let me read this thing. Uh, uh, this come out of like a, a historical book about the city. Uh, first, the, let me tell you about the name of the city. Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea, it was named for two people, Caesar and Philip. Not Philip, the, you know, disciple, good guy, gospel guy in, in Acts 4. Philip, who was one of the sons of Herod the Great who was a very evil man. Um, His daughter, actually, and his former wife uh, had John the Baptist's head cut off. His daughter was the one who did this real provocative dance with Herod, who was Philip's brother, who stole Philip's wife, Herodias. I know it's kind of complicated, but this this, this is who this guy was. There was these three sons that were all rulers. Herod the Great was the baddest guy ever. He was the worst guy ever. He had three sons. One of them was named Philip. One of them was named Herod. I forget what the other one named. The other one was named Herod also. They had different titles. But 
But one of the Herods who killed John the Baptist stole his brother's wife. That's why John the Baptist was put in prison. Read Matthew 11 because he went after him about you. It's wrong for you to have your brother's wife. And so they had this party one night, and, Her- and Philip's daughter did this dance, and Herod said, I'll give you half my kingdom, half my kingdom, whatever you want. And the mom went to him and said, I want John the Baptist's head on the platter. So that's this guy. So he built this, had this city, he changed the name of this city to, to honor Caesar and to honor himself, Caesarea Philippi. Okay? And so that was, because that was the area of Israel that he ruled. Are y'all following this? And so it, let me just read what it says in this book. It says, This city which sits at the, the foot of Mount Hermon, which is the place where the Mount of Transfiguration, Mount Hermon. Some people believe it's Mount Tabor, but that's just been debunked. It's, it's Mount Hermon. This is, this is important. Okay? Some people agree who have been to Israel. It says at the Mount, of, of Her, Mount Hermon butts up against a large cliff. Listen to this. Listen referred to as the rock of gods. A large cliff that was referred to as the rock of gods. Okay? Now just follow this. In reference to the many shrines built there, there were shrines to Caesar, there were shrines to this guy named Pan. Okay? And another god, possibly the fertility goddess Nemesis, whoever she was. They were all built up against this cliff. In the center of the rock of the gods is a huge cave from which a stream flowed. This cave was called the Gates of Hades. Are y'all connecting this? You see, when Jesus was talking about on this rock, did y'all catch that? On this rock I will build my church. And what, the Gates of Hades? He had them right there in that place. You see, Jesus was really clever. He wasn't just trying to throw something that was so spiritual at them. He brought them into a place with the very words he was going to use. They were there at the rock of God. They were there at the gates of Hades. Right there when he began to talk about himself and he began to talk about what he was going to do. He began to talk to to the disciples about who they were. Are y'all following this? It's powerful when you begin to realize, wow. I mean, like, Jesus really knew how to give signs and not just spirit, uh, miraculous ones, but very practical, natural ones to get their attention, to really emphasize what he was trying to say. And they said it was, uh, they believed the, 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 the cave was called the Gates of Hades because, because of the water. That's where Baal, the demon Baal, that was so worshipped in the Old Testament, would come in and out of that cave. That was his entrance from the underworld into the natural world. Right there. And so that's where Jesus took his disciples to have this amazing conversation right in the middle of hell, right in the middle of the worst place in Israel. He didn't run off somewhere, you know, or go into the, to the inner sanctum somewhere, into some protected place. He walked right into where the enemy's greatest stronghold That's got to say something. And that's where he stood and began to have this this amazing conversation with his disciples. I just think that's powerful. And I want to tell you about Pan. Everybody in here knows who Pan is, whether you know it or not. In fact, the the town used to be named after Pan. He was this mythical Greek god. I'm sure you know this. He was half human 
And then he had the bottom part of himself. His bottom part was like a horse or a goat or something. You know what I'm talking about? And actually, Pan was a very, it was wicked. The, the worship of Pan was like very, you know, bad. If you ever look at any, any pictures of him, you would know. All the pictures are very lewd and very wicked, and all their, their worship was just, just like really pitiful and pathetic, what they did. But um, Pan is where we get the word panic. It's where we get, and, and people from many ages forward, from that time, Pan has become the god of bad weather. That he control, you know, whenever like a hurricane or tornado, Pan's the guy behind it. Very powerful demon, really, behind this. So that's the, what was happening, you know, there, you know, when Jesus was, I just think it's pretty cool that Jesus would do this. Yeah, so he brought him to that place to give him, you know, a lot of big revelation. The, the big two revelations, this, was the revelation of himself. Who do you say I am? That's the place that Jesus, where Jesus wanted them disciples to hear from heaven who Christ was. Is right there in Pan's territory, right there in Baal's territory. Isn't that powerful? I mean, that speaks. And he also gave them the revelation the first time. This is the first time in the Gospels, the first time Jesus tells his disciples about the cross. The very first time. Now, think about it. That's pretty big. Up to that time, he never talked about him being himself being the Christ. He never talked about that he was God, that he was the Messiah, that he was the anointed one. He never talked to them about that. This is the first time. Isn't that powerful? I mean, man, when I begin to see that, I think, well, I never saw that before, Lord. Good gracious, what in the world does this mean? Well, I think it means a lot. I think it means one thing. You know, I think it means that's where God wants the church to go. Because that's where he said, you know, there's, a, there's a two different meanings of uh, uh, you're Peter, right? And I will build my church. You know, there's the Catholic understanding of it, which, you know, they think Peter was the first pope. Based on that scripture right there. He's the first pope on this rock, being Petra, being the little pebble, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the Protestant revelation that says, no, it's the revelation of who Christ is. That's how the church is built. Well, I've always believed in the Protestant one since I'm not a Catholic. But if I was a Catholic, I would probably believe what the Catholic people said. But when you add in this other thing, this literal place, there might be you know, even a, a third meaning of it that God is talking about the church being built in the worst places there are and that he wants to take the people of God out of out of their safe places and take them into the worst places you know I mean could it be that's what Jesus was even saying when he began to even the first time he even talked about the church to the to the disciples could it be that that was his whole point? Is Listen, I'm not talking about a little group of people huddled off somewhere. I'm talking about a group of people who can go in anywhere and bring me into that place and bring Christ there. Even, and I will go to the worst place there is in Israel today and show you that. And isn't it funny, over that rock of Hades, or that gate of Hades and that rock of God's, Jesus stood there and was transformed in Matthew 17. And the glory of Christ was revealed. 
I think it's pretty powerful. But I'll tell you another thing that I think is powerful about it is this. Is what I was is how many people here think when oh man, I'm I'm doing I'm rocking, man. I am and God is with me. God is going to visit me. God is going to bless me because I'm rocking so well. How many people think that way? But how many people think this way? When you are at your worst, how many people think about the, the, the bad places inside of you? Do you think about that God wants to visit there? You know what I'm talking about? The worst places, the stuff you don't want nobody to know about. The stuff you don't even have a whole lot of conversations with your spouse about. You kind of talk around it. But you really won't talk deep about it because you don't want people to know, you know, the, the brokenness that you're still carrying in your heart after you've been a Christian for 40-something years. And that you're still carrying brokenness and you're still carrying things in you. Surely there's people in this room that that's your story. I mean, it can't just be me in here that's, that's that messed up. Surely I'm talking to people who carry stuff in them that's not resolved yet. Things that hinder us. That's where the Lord wants to visit. That's, that's the, the, gate of, the gates of hell in us. The place where the enemy has access to us. That's, that's where God wants to go in our lives. That's, that's, he really wants to go there. He's not ashamed to go there. He doesn't, that, that's his heart torches. Yeah, Amen. Hey, I want to read this verse here to you. I'm going to tell you something. Are y'all good? Is it hot in here? Why do I feel real hot? <laughs> it's not hot. It's, the girl says it's not hot, so it's not hot. This is what you do. When they say it's not hot, no, it's not hot. I'm about to freeze. You know, Give me my coat. Where, you know, <laughs> that's what Becky is. It's, it's not hot in here. No, I'm not. No, uh-uh, it's not hot. I'm just sweating because I'm nervous or something. I want to read this verse and tell you this, okay? This applies, it's off the subject, but it applies. Psalm 16, verse 7. Listen, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. My heart also instructs me in the night season. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Night seasons are dark times. They're not just when you go to bed. They, they are when you go to bed, but they're dark times. You know, they're dark places. My heart instructs me in the night season. You know one thing I've been doing lately? I don't know why the Lord is, the Lord's good. This is the Lord. I, I, I pray that verse, I've been praying that verse every night when I get in bed. I pray, Lord, come. Lord, come. Come and counsel me. Come and instruct me as I sleep. Come and instruct me as I sleep. You know what the Lord's been doing? I've been having these dreams. I call them soul dreams. There's different kinds of dreams. This is a soul dream. The soul dreams from the Lord. It's things that God reveals to me in the dream about me. There are things in me that are broken. There are things in me that are messed up. There are things in me that hurt. And he reve- He's been revealing those things to me. He's taken me back years, like 15, 17 years ago, the situations I went through. And I would dream and go through that thing again. And wake up and realize, that's the Lord counseling me. That's the Lord instructing me. He's after some hurt in me. He's after something in me. And so I just open my heart up to the Lord and say, you have access, Holy Spirit. You have access to fix that place in me. 
that got messed up 17 years ago or three years ago or three months ago. And the Lord's doing it. And what I want to encourage you to do that because I believe the Lord is visiting people. And He's also, you know, there's prophetic dreams. That's, but right now, what I've been getting for a bit, and I guess, <laughs> I guess I messed up bad because it's been going on a while. These dreams where the Lord's revealing things to me that I could never, I would never connect them in my natural mind. I could never connect that that was an area where God wanted to do something in me. But He gives me this dream. And, I, and, and He tells, and it's, it's great. And you have to learn how to interpret those dreams, you know, because there's things in them that, but if you'll pay attention, if you'll look into the dream, you can learn, you can interpret it, you can understand the time. You can understand what God was trying to tell you in it and everything. Because most of it is very symbolic. Okay? It's, it's very symbolic. You, it's not like some literal thing. It's, it's symbolic, but it's speaking to something. It's, it's His language. And you see, I believe that's what Jesus was... One of the things that Jesus was saying there. He wants to go into those dark places in our lives. And He wants to detox Christians. He wants to free people of stuff that's hindering them. It's, it's things in your soul that's hindering you that's binding you and, and, and keep and it's hindering the Holy Spirit to, to do what He needs to do in your life or wants to do. And you'll never be able to go forward into this next season if you're bound up in here. And you have this place. Jesus said, the devil's coming and what? He has no place in me. Jesus said, the devil has no ground in my life. There's no area where he, can, where he will not be able to touch. And that's really what He wants for us. He wants us to have that same attitude, that same heart. When the enemy shows up, he has no ground in me. He can't access me. He can't fool me. He can't pull me down. He can't bring these memories to me that are hurtful and cause me to respond badly. Because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you. Now, of course, there's many other ways like, you know, counseling and so-so and all that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you don't do those things. But man, you know, why would you pay to go to a counselor if you could do it while you slept? <laughs> right? I mean, that's what you call resting in the Lord. Oh, yeah, I went to bed last night a mess. I woke up in glory. God did something in me. And I'm just telling you, God is doing that right now. God is moving in the nights. He's moving in your literal sleep night, and He's moving with people who are in your night seasons. He's doing stuff. And he wants to redeem, he wants to restore, he wants to heal. He wants to reveal himself. I spent a lot of time on that. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's the truth. Okay. Let me write, let me just tell you this too. If you notice, when, uh, and I think I've probably preached on this a few times in my life, about... You know, who do men say, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you know, you're the Christ. You know, that was the first time. You're the Christ. And he said, that flesh and blood didn't tell you that. The, whole, the Father in heaven gave you revelation about that. Okay, now, this is really, I, I feel, this is, this is key. I think we are in a time of vision. Okay, I think we are in a time of proceeding. But this is the this is the thing. This is the vision. Okay, right here. This is 
All other visions have to be under this vision. Before God wants to give you a new revelation of what you're supposed to do, Peter, I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom to help build this church. But before he gave him that, he revealed himself to Peter. So a revelation of the Lord himself is what enables our revelation of what? Your identity, right? You See, to see the Lord is what releases you into true identity. You can't get your true identity without seeing Him. That's crazy. Now, I think we've talked about this many times. But I'm telling you, this is what the Bible teaches. You and I are foolish if we pursue being genuine, having identity, having purpose, having ministry, moving into the power of the kingdom without really seeing the king first. That's God's order. God wants to reveal himself. That's what God did to me back in the, in the 80s when I first saw this. Is He was saying, you're still trying to figure this. You need to see me for who I am. And when you begin to see me fresh, you're going to see everything fresh. You're going to see church fresh. Because at that time, like I said, church was dismal to me. I didn't, it was like, I don't like church like this. I don't want church like this. And the Lord, that's what the Lord's answer was, you need to see me. If you'll see me, you'll see church a whole different way. You'll see people a different way. You'll see your purpose. You'll see your calling. You'll see how to access the kingdom realm of God. Are y'all following me on this? Now, that's, that was Jesus' way of doing this thing. That was his way of pursuing vision for people and pursuing purpose for people and pursuing ministry for people is revealing himself who he was. And, and it is not a one-time thing in our lives. I think in every season that we walk into, we really need a fresh revelation of, of Christ himself. To be able to walk into that season and seeing what he's seeing and feeling what he's feeling and hearing what he's hearing. Least if we don't, we'll try to hold on to the old. Or we'll try to act the old. Or we'll try to be the old. We'll try to do what God did. And he's revealing himself in a different way. And we're seeing him different. We're seeing different sides of his face. And that's really what the Lord wants to do for people. And that's why I'm, I connect it back to the, to, the, to the counsel of God in my heart at night when I sleep. And his wisdom coming into my heart is unlocking my heart. So I can see Him, so I can receive a fresh revelation of Him. It's not just about me being whole and perfect and all that. That's great, but I really need to see Him. It's not just being self-fixed or self-healed. It's, it's getting that where Christ can be revealed. And I'm going to tell you, it's Christ that's being revealed here. It's not, Jesus, it's not Jesus Christ, it's Christ Jesus. And by the way, I hate to tell you this. And I'm not going to go there. There's a difference in the Bible between when they called him Jesus Christ and when they called him Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, that I have, I'm not ready to talk about that to you later because I know that that's all, you push up against a religious spirit big time on that. But you read, go back and read some of the, Paul's introductions to different letters. To different, read them and read how he uses Jesus Christ and how he uses Christ Jesus. You'll see there's a difference. It's the same, you know, we're not dividing him, but there's, there's, we're the body of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ. The Bible doesn't say we're the body of Jesus, we're the body of Christ. And that means something in heaven. 
All that, you know, and that's why Peter says, you're Christ. Y'all are just looking at me badly now. I knew I shouldn't have brought that up. I talked myself out of that message. I was going to actually do that message one time here a couple months ago. I thought, no, I'm not doing that, Lord, because I'm not ready for that one because I think I'll take a beating on that one. Because I'll be honest, when I first started seeing it, I, took, I, I was like, oh, that hey, hey, you know. I started having all these religious thoughts coming at me like, whoa, that can't be the Lord. You know, I'm just not thinking about this right. And, and you know, even though I'm reading it right out of the Bible, it's just a resistance to that. And the re- reason the resistance is God is trying to reveal something about himself. He's trying to reveal who he is as God. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. I'm going to stop because I'm feeling a little little anxious here with myself. <laughs> I'm not trying to mess nobody up. But actually I am. I'm trying to sort of mess your theology up this morning. Because our theology needs to get shook up. You know that? We need to get shook up on some of this stuff we believe. And, if, and it, you know, if God turns you up and shakes you up and then he puts you back on your feet and you still have it, then you're good. He wanted you to keep it. If it fell out on the floor, just move on. Somebody else can pick it up and do something with it. But I, I'm going to tell you this. I think we're, we've been in a time where God is revealing Christ. Okay? To, to His people. And I just see nothing but an increase on that. I just see an increase on the revelation of Christ. Because we're in Christ, Christ is in us, right? That's what you were saying this morning. That's what, we're in Christ, Christ is in us. And so, here's the thing I wanted to say. I, I want to go back to the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, the woman from Syria, who had the little girl that the Lord healed in Matthew 15. She came to the Lord and wanted healing, and the Lord wouldn't do it at first, and she just, he just said, I'm not going to take the children's bread. And she said, but little dogs, dogs eat the children's bread. Her faith was irresistible to Jesus. And Jesus said she was the, the, the second person in the New Testament, or in the gospel where Jesus, he said there were two people that had great faith. It was a Roman centurion who sent Jesus to heal his, soul, his servant. And he said, I've never seen such great faith. In all of Israel. And then there was this woman. This, she was from Syria. And he, he could not resist her faith. Now faith is a gift from God. It's not something we produce. It is something we bear. And it's something we carry. And one of the things, if we're going to proceed forward, and if you're going to proceed forward in your life, God is wanting you to activate your faith. God wants to call people to believe again. Because a lot of people quit believing. They didn't quit believing in Jesus as, as Lord and Savior and all that. No, they just quit believing in God's purpose, their, God's destiny over their life. And so they quit. So that's why people have stopped. That's why they've stopped spiritually. That's why they quit moving forward. It's because they, they no longer believe for it because they got wounded, they got hurt, they got disappointed. And so they just quit believing that God could do something. They quit believing that God had a dream that He wanted to share with them, that they could participate in this dream of God. 
And they could go after some things in God. Am I talking to anybody here? And I feel like this is what the Lord was telling me when I was thinking about all that, that He wants to activate your faith. He wants to call His believing people up and, and get people to believe again. And to be, and be willing to take the chances with God again. And be willing to step out there with Him again. Instead of like, well, I was wounded, I was hurt. You know the old story. Well, that's everybody's old story. That's everybody's messy, disappointing story. I was wounded and I was hurting. God didn't do what I thought He was going to do. In fact, He did opposite. That's all of our stories. That's part of our journey. But our journey can be better. Our journey can see the dreams of God come true. If we don't quit, if we get back to the place where we're believing again, and that we're activating again, and that we're proceeding again. And I'm trying to stir you up right now. Okay, that's, that's really what I'm doing. I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to stir your faith like that woman. I'm, I'm not taking the children's bread and giving it to dogs. Will the dogs get the crumbs then? Just give me the crumbs. That's what she said. I'm, I, I'll be a dog. Just give me the crumbs. Heal my daughter. She wouldn't stop. She wouldn't give up. And she didn't mind being a dog at that point. If it got her daughter healed, she was happy to get on all fours. And I think sometimes it's, that's, that's really what, I don't know. It's just like that's going to pull something out of God. That he's waiting on you and I to pull out of him. Are y'all following this? And I really believe that we're in a time now where God said, okay, you've, you've, you have laid back long enough. I want to activate you. I want to give you a preceding word. I want to stir your faith. I want to cause you to get this hunger in you, to get this desire in you, where you're not willing to be passive. You're not willing to stay where you are. You want to push forward some. With Him. And push into Him some. And see what He'll do. And that's really, you know, I've been praying for God to give me dreams for years. But they're more like on the prophetic side. And I just started getting this, when I started pushing into the Lord more, I started getting this desire. You know, for that counsel of the Lord while I slept. That Deliverance of the Lord while I slept. That healing, that was from the Lord. That, that's why I started praying it. He, he put it in my heart to pray it. And so I want to encourage you back. When you start and see whatever God brings up in your heart, He's going to bring things up. There's a lot of disappointment and a lot of loss in this room. You know, there really is. a lot of heartbreak in this room. There's a lot of failed dreams, failed everything, failed marriages, failed relationships. You know, the list goes on. You know, but I don't think we need to, to live from that. I really don't. I don't think we need to live from that place. I think we need to live from heaven. I think we need to live from his heart. You know, we sang it this morning, even though the seasons change, the one, the one constant is the love of God. That no matter what season you're in right now, there's love for you. There's, there's just absolute love. There's adoration from heaven from you. And sometimes, I'm going to tell you something, there's a time that comes sometimes in our life when that's really all we can cling to. We can't cling to anything else, but we're just knowing that we're loved in heaven dearly. 
And that's the only thing that, that carries us through. And when you get to the end of that thing, here's what you find. You weren't holding on to God. God was holding on to you. Because you find out you can't really, but he held on to you and carried you through a time. You know, and I can remember coming to that place, Lord, if, if all I got is your love, then that's all I've got. I'm going to live that. I'm, I'm going to hang on to that. I'm thinking I'm hanging on to it. It was him hanging on to me. But God has a dream for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. God wants to use you powerfully. I know that. And I want to encourage you today to let the Holy Spirit stir you. Get revel- ask Him, give me a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me see Him like I've never seen Him before. And you'll begin to see again. You'll begin to hear again in a fresh way. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Are y'all okay now? I'm done. Everybody's happy. I'm done. Everybody's all happy. He's done. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> hmm. Hey, this is the year we're in. I got all these. Uh, uh, 2018, the year of the preceding. 2018, the year of being real. Listen, the year for the real you to come forth. The real you. Why do you think God wants to work on your heart? Because he's looking for the real you. The real you is good enough. And if it's not good enough for everybody else, tough for them. Because it's really good enough for you and God. And God really wants to deliver people from feeling like they've got to be something else. He wants to deliver you into being you, the real you. And free you. And not worry about some kind of image you've got to carry. The image you've got to carry is His image. And He's going to take care of carrying that for you. So that's what we're doing this year. We're getting down to the real. We're going to get down to being really who we really are. And we're not going to live some fake life, some religious bull, some, you know, fake kind of ministry thing that's just a daggone facade and it's not real. I don't want none of that. I'm, we're done with that. We want the real Lord. That's why Jesus says, who to me and say that I am. No, I'm not some Jeremiah weeping prophet. I'm not Elijah calling fire down. I'm not even some of these other great anointed guys. I'm Christ. I'm Christ, and I want you to know me as Christ. And when you begin to know me as Christ, you'll begin to know who you really are. And you can get get real. And I'll begin to show you stuff in you that's holding you back from being real. And I'll help you with that stuff. I'll fix that stuff for you if you'll let me. If you'll just invite me, and you'll open your heart to me and say this. I open my heart to you. That's what I do. Oh, Lord, here's the dream I had last night. I see what you're saying. I open your heart right now. Open my heart, Lord, for you to go in there and fix that. Fix it, Lord. Heal me there. Repair me there. If I have anything I owe there, let's show it to me so I can take care of it. I want to just be so healed and free on the inside, Lord, so I can be me. And I can do what you called me to do. Because me is important to God. Every bit of me. Your me is important. Your spirit's important. Your soul's important. Your flesh is important to God. The whole you. He wants you to be the whole you. Okay. Becky's going to bail me out. She's coming like, you're done. Go sit down. No, I really feel like the Lord really does want to go after the night counsel in our hearts and I just had something if you want to stand up a minute um, I just had something I felt that the Lord wanted to do particularly here this morning so I woke up thinking about it Um, I wish 
Rhonda were here, but Rhonda spoke at the women's retreat. And this is what I'm feeling. Some of us have gotten disconnected from the Lord. Um, And I'm feeling like the Lord was showing me this morning that it's because of making some sort of inner vow. And that is, I will never. That's what we say in our heart, I'll never. It's after we've been wounded, a relationship, we've been hurt in relationships, we've been disappointed. But I feel like uh, that was one thing at the women's retreat Rhonda spoke on, that she was cut off from the Lord for, for several years. Her relationship was not flowing. And it's because she'd made an inner vow. She'd been disappointed and said a small thing in her heart, I will never. And so I just felt like this morning that that is, is amazing when you stick that key in that door and unlock it and, and take back that vow, what that does to you will release us into more of a flow with the Lord again. And I do believe that really, I mean, this is amazing what Byron's preaching because it's so much what I felt like this morning. So this morning, let's just give the Lord permission to counsel us in the night. So Lord, we just give you permission to counsel us in the night, Lord. These night seasons, Lord, you went right to the worst places. You took the disciples there to the darkest places, Lord, because you said you would build your church in the darkest places and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So, Lord, this morning we're also asking you, Lord, to help us in those places where we've made intervals that have locked our hearts up far away from where you want to be in our hearts, God. We're just asking you for that right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Counsel us in the ninth season, Lord. And we just are asking you, Lord, just where we've made intervals, Lord, with you or in relationships, Lord, that really matter to you, Lord. We're just confessing that right now. I feel like it's the year, this is what the Lord has told me, it's the year of repentance and praise. The year of repentance and praise. These are things that will really set us into the a new places in the kingdom and in our lives. So we got some awesome stuff. So Lord, we're just asking you for that. Lord, we repent. We want to see things the way you see. We repent of these intervals, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you feel like that may could be something for you? I think that's the way we repent is confessing. We're acknowledging it. You have to own to dis you have to own something before you can disown it. We have to say, that's me. I've made an interval. Lord, we've made intervals that were not in tune with your heart. And we confess that right now that it's not where you want us to be. We just we take the key and we unlock our hearts now back to you, Lord. Yeah, he's going to be showing us things, so that's that's good. And I just I feel like the minister team should just come on up now. I feel like we need to respond to some of this that we give the Lord permission. You know, the Lord just wants to get freedom is inside. Freedom's not just coming into a meeting and raising our hands and being exuberant. Freedom is on the inside. Thank you, Lord. And just some of you, I just feel like you need to respond to the Lord this morning, giving permission 
these hearts. And this song, though the seasons change, your love remains. I just think that's really key for us this morning. We could do some business with the Lord. Mm. And I, I feel like the oil of joy is coming. Just as we step out, there's an oil of joy getting released. I just really feel that. It's so good. You know, his delight to give us the keys of the kingdom. And this is a key. He's given us counsel in the night season. Our hearts getting unlocked. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless y'all. I'd like to invite you again. Come forward if you want prayer. Even if you want prayer about something else, something that's going on that you want for healing or go after the Lord about something else, our ministry team is here to, to minister to you today. So take advantage of that before you leave if you'd like to. Otherwise, be blessed. You can be dismissed or you can chill and hang out here for a little bit longer. We really appreciate everybody. Have a great week. Amen. Though the music changes and the songs we sing, we still lift our praises to our loving God and King. Though the reasons change and the songs we sing, we still lift our praises to our loving God and King. To our loving God and King. Though the seasons Do I?